Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Larkast, cheers, Russ, buddy. Good to see you. Cheers to you, man. Good to see you. That's uh, what what Jameson shared, man. It's true. You really did, really did shave off that that miraculous, wonderful, stunning beard. It is true. Over the last couple months, I have progressively moved from like a twelve-inch beard all the way down to pretty much just stubble and uh, a simple mustache um mm. it it definitely was due to facial hair shame that i was not with you all last week i just could not face the world i couldn't leave my house and just disgust over the decision i made to cut off my beard and um but you know what man i i dug deep i dug deep into myself yeah. um and i started listening to some old Stuart Smalley episodes from SNL back in the day. And I started to just believe that, you know, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough and doggone it. People like me mm. and I'm just, I'm just living out that truth, man. I'm living out that truth. So here I am to tell my, uh, my beardless story that you yeah. don't have to have facial hair to be a man or to be masculine, yep. um, that you can be, you know, clean cut, um, and still, you know, live confidently in the world. Yeah. Yeah. What, what does Stuart do though, for the people who at the end of the day, they're, they're not good enough. They're not smart enough and doggone it. People don't like, them. <laughs> like what, do, what do they do? They just, I'm just, yeah, just curious. You know, I kind of feel like. <laughs> You're asking too deep of a question. I just kind of feel like this self-talk, this real positive self-talk should kind of just solve all of our problems. I wish you, I wish you would, but you know, yeah, just a couple of encouraging words, just an Instagram video of an influencer looking you in the eye and say, Hey, the person who sent you this wants you to know you're crushing yep. You're doing awesome. Keep yep. going. You got this. You got this. You Man. got this. <laughs> if that's all that it took, that would be fantastic. Yeah. 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 So uh, it was Huxley once wrote describing humanity. <laughs> he said, the, we're, we're basically the pillars, but also the dynamite. That was my favorite line out of that one chapter from Zoll's book. <laughs> Simultaneously, the beams and the dry rot. <laughs> AKA we're our own worst enemy. Um, it's really easiest for us to see what is true and what is wrong. And it's also really easy for us to cheer ourselves on. The problem is we're just not real good at actually achieving what it is that we're cheering on. And I was like, Oh man. Yeah. There's two things that um, I think I'm equally surprised by in my life. One is my ability to pull things together and build things. And an, an equal gift of mine is the way I uh, self-sabotage those things. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers to that, man. I'm yes. a fixer and a destroyer all at once. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yep. I will build that thing up and see to it that it is tore down in <laughs> just a moment of time oh man if you don't laugh you'd cry so we're laughing it's true it's true <clears throat> there is a reason why the gospel is called good news yeah yep and it brings relief oh but we don't want to get we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves nope. Nope. um 
because we do have a we have a wonderful podcast for you. We're excited to jump into um, the the last the crescendo, if you will, of the Ooh. Finding Freedom series. Um, and Good we're word. excited about this one today. Uh, but before we get into that, we want to take a quick pause um, to just really just acknowledge the last Lark tour that we had. I saw all yeah, the pictures, dude. heard a ton of cool stories coming out of that that whole trip you could probably speak to that take 30 seconds to just give some shout outs and thank everybody who uh you know who made that a wonderful trip yeah that that was that was pretty incredible man and uh just being able to stop in savannah and hang out with some people there you know atlanta woodstock you know new new contacts people who've been listening and to the lark cast and grabbing on to what jesus said especially in the parable series that was a big like a big aha for a lot of people and then just sort of going, man, I'm not alone. There are, there are a lot of people out here that really do have a heart for the undiluted, unfiltered message of Jesus, letting it be as scandalous and liberating as it is, and just letting go of control, man, or I should say the myth of control, and grabbing onto this and grabbing onto a neighbor next to him and saying, man, come with me. And so... Yeah, dude, there's, there's, there's a, there's a lot of people there and then just capturing, you know, just a a really good, you know, story, which you'll see soon from a, from a couple up in Greenville, South Carolina. I don't want to give that away, but that'll be coming out. It was, it was just, you know, back to back, dude, just good food, good beer, good conversation, good people. Um, I will say if I had to give one shout out with one name, it would be a big shout out to a dude named Spencer. Um, who who hosted this reformation brewery in woodstock georgia that was his uh man just the you know the generosity man of of food and endless pitchers of beer in a free space to meet and converse about jesus i was like bro this is about as close as it's gonna get on this side of the veil (laughs) to to what awaits us so yeah i'll stop there man (laughs) but yeah it was good it was good stuff that's great. The legend of the Lark tour grows and, um, in hearing stories after you guys got back, you know, pretty thankful for that. So yeah, yeah, that's really, really awesome. And one other thing before we dive into this, I just want to take uh, a quick pause to acknowledge our sponsors and people are like, what you guys got sponsors. Do you ever listen to the Lark cast since day one? I've never heard you guys mention sponsors. There's never been a there's never been a commercial on this. Never been what? a commercial. Yeah, we, I just want to take a quick moment to pause and acknowledge our sponsors. It's you, the listeners, Larkcast listeners. <laughs> you're the sponsors, and you're like, what? And it's like, no, it's true. The Larkcast and every other thing we do is all supported by everyday people like you. So if you have found this podcast other resources and the Lark community helpful, take a moment to become a Lark supporter because with a monthly donation, you can sustain our ongoing efforts to help others learn to live loved. It's quick. It's easy. It's painless to sign up, head to larksite.com slash donate and get signed up. The donate link is also located in the show notes of this podcast. If it's five bucks, 10 bucks, seven fifty, a dollar fifty, eleven hundred dollars, five billion dollars, whatever. If you have been, if you've been blessed, if you've been encouraged, we want to keep content like this rolling and um, we need your help. So please consider doing that and becoming a sponsor of what we do. Cheers, man. Cheers to those who found freedom, who are involved in helping other people find freedom. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, love it. Okay. And we are grateful for you. Yes. Um, so we're wrapping up our finding freedom um, series and the topic today might sound a little bit weird, but today we're talking about finding freedom in and among communities and cultures and spaces of <laughs> I can I can't I can't barely get this out. <laughs> We're talking about finding freedom in communities and cultures of Jesus. <laughs> and as strange as that sounds, um I don't even know what would be a, a junk drawer term for that. David's all in his book Seculosity, which you know has been 
a great resource for us in these last few conversations. He refers to it as Jesus land, finding freedom in Jesus land. Um, And yeah, I mean, we know that there's freedom in Jesus, but as we've met with and connected with so many people over the last a handful of years, we know that not many of us experience freedom in the communities that claim Jesus. Hence this conversation, hence why Lark exists, period. <laughs> but this this podcast in particular. Right. You gotta you gotta you got a point there, man. It's it's kind of weird. Like, yeah, there's a there's a there's a faith, man. A way of life centered on Jesus, referred to something that a lot of people call Christianity. Mm-hmm. And yet this podcast is about finding freedom in Christianity. <laughs> which is a fellowship of all the losers in the world who found freedom in the good news of a God who's loved us in spite of that and reconciled us through his son's death and resurrection Mm -hmm. for freedom. You have been set free as Galatians says. Um, And yet for many, that's not what we experience. I think that's probably the best way to put it. I had a conversation with somebody out on the West coast in LA while I was driving home from Atlanta on the last Lark tour. And, uh, they said, um, I've I've been in the church my whole life and I've heard about freedom and I've heard about rest. And I've heard about this, like this life of adventure of like joining in what God's doing every day. And I've never experienced any of it. Hmm. And I don't know what to do. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to throw Jesus out. You know, I, you know, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. But I keep hearing about freedom. I just never experience it. Mm-hmm. Like, what? What gives? Is it me? Is it God? Yeah. Right. Is it? Is it what's being taught? Is it everywhere? Is it just some places? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, if I had a dollar for every time we heard that that conversation, right? We'd we'd be a well funded organization, bro. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think um, that is very common. It's kind of at the heart of, you know, why a lot of people are um, not a lot of people, but people in droves are walking away from faith communities, Christianity and the faith altogether. Um, But I was reminded just yesterday um, because we have a community out by where I live that meets on a regular basis. And we just started going through Galatians and the whole premise, the whole background of the book of Galatians is a group of people who found freedom in Jesus, but very, very quickly and early on in their story, they were introduced um, to a bunch of to do's a bunch of shoulds that it started out as freedom but there were people who were coming around and saying, well, yes, Jesus, but we still have to do all this other stuff as well. And I was just reminded that, you know what? The introduction of voices and the pressure of performance and taking something as beautiful as the freedom that is found in Jesus is quickly going to get hijacked Mm. by thinking by people who think it ought not be true. And it isn't true that we are free in Jesus and that we ought to start getting all of our shit together and keep it together. And so while it is, it seems like a, a new phenomenon, it seems like it's, it's been something that's plagued the church or it's been um, an issue for people who are associating themselves with Jesus and trusting Jesus to have these other voices, kind of like what Paul says, people who are spying out our freedom. They're trying mm-hmm. to kind of like steal it from us. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. I've been on the receiving end of that and on (laughs) sad, but on the, on the peddling of that as well. 
A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. The first, uh, 15 years, man, that I spent pastoring, planting, you know, churches. I feel like it was done in, in since in sincerity, you know, sometimes I use that phrase, like you can be sincere, but also be sincerely wrong. So, you know, there was definitely like a sincere faith, but man, for 15 years, dude, it was definitely a sincere faith in the wrong God. It wasn't, it wasn't the God that, that Jesus revealed. I would say that it was right. And I could point to like a, a bunch of verses, man, to, you know, for why I did what I did, but it, it would be a good while, man, before I realized that I, and a lot of my friends were just cherry picking verses from the scriptures that, you know, would support our case, right. That mm -hmm. would, and you could piece them together in a way, man, to really walk people into a corner of to follow Jesus is to do A, B, C, right. And D really well. Right. And that's why we have these programs and we do this and that's, you know, all the while you, you look back on it and you're like, yeah, damn, that's uh, if Jesus would have taught that they'd have never crucified him. <laughs> yeah. He would have hey, found some hey. alignment with yeah. first century Judaism and, yeah. you know, the Pharisees in particular, they might not have, you know, they might've disagreed, but at least they would have been able to come, come together um on that yeah. but i think our, our backgrounds because i'm i'm with you as well um i think i found i found the church early on in my story to be a place um where i got shit on and people are like you got shit on i'm like well that happened later but early on i got shit on shit on yeah it's when you get a barrage of shoulds and oughts Yep. You constantly, every quote unquote Bible study or community became a place, a rallying point for us to become who we ought to be, you know, in the world. And there was lots of shoulds and there was lots of, you know, oughts. And you kind of left with like a list of stuff you really needed to work on, whether it be theologically or, you know, behavioral. And I was kind of an, I was kind of in a, a community where it was like both, like in order to mm -hmm. belong and really climb the ladder, you needed to kind of get your stuff together theologically and also behaviorally. Um, and not every church is, is like that, but I have kind of like a reform background. So you kind of had to do double duty there, you know? <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I was able to climb the ladder because, you know, I, I dove in, learned all the terms and like most, you know, good spiritual people, I just hit all the junk of my life. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, wasn't, you know, I was, I was honest. I was honest enough to be known as the dude who was like really honest and authentic, but I wasn't a hundred percent honest <laughs> because we can't really handle the total truth of yeah. who we are. Nothing like um, being celebrated on stage for being authentic <laughs> while you hold back <laughs> what's really going on. Yeah, exactly. Yep. No, exactly. And it's like, um, so yeah, I found that there was lots of, uh, lots of shoulds and I, I did, man, I, you know, I, I've done, I've done a lot of that and I've been able to, you know, reach out to some people, um, that, um, you know, that I've, you know, done that too, and have some conversations and, you know, those, those kinds of things. Um, but to your point that you had even found, you know, justification in scripture, something that we learned from, um, C Baxter Kruger, not C Bass Kruger, C Baxter Kruger. Um, there's a difference. One making, was in dumb and dumber. Yeah. I'm making sure everybody just really understands what I'm saying. Yeah. Today. It's not yes. shit, but shoulds. And it's not, not Seabass Kruger, <laughs> Baxter Kruger. But something that we learned from C. Baxter Kruger, he said, Jesus is the light of the world and the darkness is still darkness, even if it's quoted scripture. Mm. And he defines the darkness Man. as this illusion of separation and man's understanding that there's something he needs to do 
to make his way back, yeah. um, you know, to God. And so the church is a place where it, you probably are resonating with what I'm saying. You've got a lot of shoulds, a lot of shoulds and a lot of oughts heaped on yeah. to you. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the, the, the same, you know, pathology of transformation, a phrase that we've heard, right. The, the performanceism, right. Religious moralism, the cult of productivity, right. That dogs, every sector of society dogs, the church as well, man. It's just, it's just reality. We, and it, it's, it's pretty ancient, man, but somewhere along the way, we started to prioritize some imaginary growth or human becoming spiritual progress. If you want to call it that, like, like we somehow become something better, something more than people who already live as those who are whole and one and home in Jesus, that, that pathology of transformation, you especially see it like in exercise communities, right. Or dieting, right. You know, communities or the political world, it's really prominent. The education world, honestly, it's really prominent. Mm-hmm. But you see it in the church as well. It prioritizes growth instead of relief, bottom line. Mm. And so out of that, the church starts to operate like a schoolhouse for saints, is an old phrase, instead of a hospital for sinners. And that's a problem. And that's kind of what you and I are alluding to is, we got really good at being a part of the schoolhouse and moving up this imaginary ladder of growth into this imaginary idea of maturity mm-hmm. so that we could run the schoolhouse for saints. Mm-hmm. And all the while in the scriptures, the new Testament was never about morality at all. The entire new Testament message is about forgiveness. That's what it's about at its core. It's a God who doesn't remove what is good or what is right or what is true. Okay, the law stands. But at the same time, no longer does our ability to keep that walk in that, which we could never do, and no one ever has but one, his name's Jesus. No longer does that become somehow a means to our acceptance or to life or to beauty or to the adventure of knowing him and learning to trust him and to walk with him. Mm-hmm. So forgiveness is at the core of this, man. And But the minute the church turns into a schoolhouse for saints, instead of a hospital for sinners, you start casting a vision for what you being enough is, your enoughness, right? As as you mentioned from Zal, a phrase, you start calling everyone to get there and and you start only celebrating the stories of success, which is really odd. Yeah. Because there's no story of success anywhere, I feel like, in the entire Bible except one person. Yeah. Right. The Bible takes care to show the, the, the faults, man, the foolishness, the frailty of every person, but one for a reason. Yeah. And gets lost. So, you know, what did, what did we get? What did we receive? And what did we do, man? Well, for a long, you start offering belonging to those who conform to the shoulds and the oughts that you mentioned. And start making the gospel conditional and you start turning Christianity into morality and action. Mm -hmm. And this is a problem because according to the scriptures, um, the gospel is the news of an unconditional reality and Christianity is a fellowship of the losers of the losers who have found relief (laughs) in that reality. Mm-hmm. And we're learning to, to trust him, which is life, it's beauty, it's adventure. And we're learning to walk in that trust, which is freedom because it's dependency on him. And that's what freedom yeah. is, dependency on God. And I feel like on one hand, there's such a beauty there. But then on the flip side, there's such a damn, why is that not the case then? Hmm. Why is that not what I learned in, in Bible college and seminary? Why is that not what I passed on for 15 years, man? Yeah. Why are people, why do we have leagues of burnout and just droves of people walking away saying goodbye Mm -hmm. over an idea of God and life and church and ministry that is literally, literally 
contrary to everything Jesus said and did. Yeah. Why? Like what, what has to give man? Sorry. I'll stop there. I just, that's where my brain goes is like, why? Well, and it's like, what, you know, why did we quickly grab onto it? You know, ourselves, um, a life of a life that's measurable, um, a life of sight, you could call Mm. it is it's far less frustrating than a life of faith. A life of faith is very frustrating. It just wars against every innate impulse we have. So I think a theology and a culture of shoulds plays into how we all are naturally wired. It feels, it feels better. Mm. What happens with the shoulds is Bible verses get attached to them. um, And you can even attach, you know, the desire and expectation of God himself, or this is where he's moving. And in a lot of ways, like, you know, people are, are right. Especially when you start looking at, you know, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, you know, patience, kindness, you know, those kinds of, of things. You're like, well, look, these are, these are the things that come from a relationship with God himself. We should be working on mm-hmm. these things. And then that's, ex- that's exactly the point of, of error right there is because we want to produce um, and we want to bring about in our lives and the lives of others that which only comes from God and, and in his timing. And Paul has this beautiful breakdown in Galatians chapter four, because he's really frustrated that the people who he spent time with mm. have deserted good news for a theology and a lifestyle of performance, which came from Jews who were from Jerusalem, who thought Paul was this kind of fake apostle and that there should be, they were cool with Jesus, but they wanted to kind of like integrate him into old understandings of, of Judaism, you know, um, you know, ceremonies and, you know, observances of days and calendars and Mm -hmm. dietary stuff and behavioral stuff and, and all that. And so that's the background of, of Galatians. And he's like, man, who, who tricked you? Who deceived you? Even later on in chapter five, he goes, you were running. You were running unhindered in this life of freedom. And all of a sudden these guys came down and just, just tripped you up. They started to hinder you. And he gives this beautiful allegoric um, understanding of Abraham's story. And it just hit me in a particular way yesterday as I was reading it or I was hearing it being read in my community. And if you don't know the story, it's God came to Abraham and goes, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation through your offspring. Now my by singular offspring, he meant Jesus himself, that Jesus was going to gather the nations, the whole world in his life, death and resurrection. Yeah. But through your lineage, right through this thing that I'm starting with you is going to come this, this one. Um, the incarnate son, right? Mm. Fully God, fully man, anointed by the Holy Spirit, all that. Jesus himself, he's going to come. And in a singular act of him, he's going to declare it all finished. And um, so he goes, we're actually, we are children of Sarah, not Hagar. And if you're not familiar with the story, Abraham was like frustrated. He's like, dude, my wife is super old. Her womb is like barren and dusty. And like, how the heck is she going to have a baby? You know what I'm saying? And so he's waiting on this promise from God and it's not happening. And like most of us, we want to see it happen. We want to see this happen right here in the right now. And so instead of trusting and waiting on his good timing, we, what do we do? We take matters into our own hands. And so Abraham and Sarah collude so why don't Abraham just sleep with Hagar and just make this thing happen? Let's just fast track this whole promise thing, right? Yeah. Well, yep. all that gives birth to Ishmael and all the uh, Isaac comes later in the promise. 
And he says, listen, we are children of the free woman, not of the slave woman. Meaning we are, we are the children of those who waited even frustratingly. So on the promise of God, even when we couldn't see it, taste it, or even believe it, but in faith, not in common sense, but in faith waited and trusted on God. And I feel like the Mm -hmm. impulse that Abraham and Sarah had to fast track this promise and not believe that is an impulse we all have. And so if you apply that into the church world and you wonder like, well, why do we have all these like programs and this pressure, right? Or, Or let me say it like this. Why do we have all this pressure, um, to become the ideal selves and the programs to kind of like facilitate that progress, right? It basically, dude, it's just us pulling an Abraham and a Sarah. Mm -hmm. It's us wanting to just fast track the promise of God, because if we're honest, we really hate ourselves and we'd love to be better people. We'd love to be more frustrating people. We'd love to be less self-sabotaging in our relationships. We'd love to be more loving and have this kind of fruit, but we take it upon ourselves to make it happen. And dude, it's kind of crazy, but we do ministry as if we don't even need God himself. We, yeah. we do ministry, we do church and we do life when should is the banner. Um, and the programs are right there and all the steps are so blatant and quick and easy and churches market them in such beautiful, simple ways. You literally can live the Christian life as if God doesn't exist. Yeah. Sad, but it's true. And I agree with you a hundred percent, man. I think you even see it like right in the scriptures, you know, Adam and Eve, their, their issue wasn't looking at the tree knowledge of good and evil and noticing that it was good. That wasn't a problem their or that it was valuable their their issue when you look at at the the breakdown of humanity which is that spirit of self-reliance that you see in them and you see it in every person sense you and me included is they looked upon this tree with this desire to be like god we don't trust you that's what they said we fear that we're going to miss out we're going to set out and we're going to control the narrative of our lives and the world to control our lives and the world to control creation. That's literally the heart of that breakdown. And I think you're right, man. You see it immediately after that with Cain and Abel. I mean, right. The the first murder dude takes place over religion, over a a dispute over whose sacrifice was most worthy. It's a religious homicide. Yeah. I mean, and it's with every person's sense. And so, you know, that, that I think that, man, you're bringing like, we look to Abraham and go, yeah, man, faith. Yeah. Faith. Right. And then we do exactly what Abraham did wrong too. And we, we live by sight. Mm-hmm. How do I achieve it? Mm-hmm. And I think there's just ultimately something in us that, There's something in us, man, that's so obsessed with the winner circle and being a part of it that we just can't help but just constantly gravitate toward religious methods and metrics to measure right the performance of our lives, to achieve that enoughness, to be able to feel like we're doing our part, which ultimately is really just to be in control. And meanwhile, the only thing that Jesus ever asked us to be, man, was what we actually are which is losers. People who have fallen short of the glory of God. People who live with the spirit of self-reliance and distrust are constantly trying to make it on their own and achieve some sense of status and significance by what we do and don't do. And so we can't help but choose sight over faith. But I do, and I, and I think all the ramifications, man, that come from that, that's like, that's the aftermath in a sense, right? Like that's what we doled out to people. That's what's been doled out to us. And 
that's what other people are dealing with from other you know in their lives their circles but it's just religion at the end of the day yeah it's it's the unwillingness to go all in on the cross alone the foolishness of the cross the foolishness of god to single-handedly save and reconcile the world and instead just feel like you got to have a hand in it man Mm-hmm. And so I do this and this and this, you know, maybe it's so that God will be happy or so that I'll be forgiven or so that I can live with some sort of assurance or so that or I, I can live like, a victorious life or, yep, yep. or God will bring about this thing in my life or he's going to bring about this thing in society. If I do this and it's the constant message of Jesus, if he is God in the flesh dwelt among us, right? Our savior, it makes sense to take him at his word. And he's saying, no, it's, it's the cross. It's, it's my death for your death. Mm-hmm. It's my resurrection for your resurrection. It's Paul saying, I knew nothing among you, but Christ and him crucified. What else was I going to bring? It's like the quote I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. You're simultaneously the drywall and the rot that's destroying the drywall. Mm-hmm. The law is good. It's beautiful. It's not going anywhere. But no one here, right, is going to be able to walk in this thing. So all the best information and imitation that I can bring to you in the name of discipleship and programs to bring about the progress and, and the perfect self and the perfect society, it's, it's, an, it's a fool's errand. It's impossible. The best information and the best imitation out there cannot undo the struggle that you have, which is the human heart. You need a savior. You need to see and be constantly reminded of the reality that is in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Period. Full stop. Not Jesus Christ and not Jesus Christ plus Mm -hmm. (laughs) just Jesus Christ, period. Yeah. And I think I, I, the more I, I live into this reality, the more I see the, the why this comes about and the more I can see, why we choose this route or that route. And I can see the, the aftermath, the ugliness, the breakdown, the destruction, the dismantling of humanity, dude, bottom line from it. But if I'm being totally honest, even seeing all that and being able to talk about it hasn't somehow landed me into a place in which case I can prevent it. Even in my own life, dude. Yep. Even in my own life. Yeah. It's uh, it's sobering. <laughs> yep. Very sobering. Well, it's like, I think some people might hear you and be like, you know, we're only asked to be like what we are, like losers. Like that's somehow going to like, just, you know, throw gasoline on this like foolish desire to run headlong into just foolish things. I think, mm. I think just to interpret what you're saying there is what we're what we're, we're saying what C.S. Lewis discovered when he said, um, I didn't really know how bad I was until I tried to hard, really hard to be good. And we can hype ourselves up on living the victorious life, bearing fruit, living a disciplined life, leaving a lasting legacy. If you're a man being this kind of like, you know, patriarch of this like family that's going to like build this like lasting legacy and like hand this faith down to like generations upon generations and like, you know what I'm saying? And like be this like, you know, kind of like person and what I've noticed and what I've noticed in a lot of other people when they're, when they're really, really honest, they, (laughs) they realize that we're just really very quickly and tangibly uh, fall short. Yeah. Fall short. And we can't, we can't do it, which is why by way of union and relationship with God, I think there's some really beautiful things that he does in people. I do believe in healing. I do believe in sanctification. I believe in growth. I just think that it comes by faith and trusting and abiding in the one true vine, I don't think it's something for us to grab onto the mantle and grab our Excel spreadsheets 
and all our intuition and marketing and the best of what humanity has to offer in theology and tips. And we're going to bring it about that way. And I get it. I get it because those things happen incrementally, slowly. And sometimes it's almost like carbon monoxide. It like, you can't detect it. You can't smell it. You can't tangibly grab onto it. And when that, when the frustration of that sets in the desire, which I think is a good desire, it's a good desire to want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all that. It's a great desire. I want that. I hate the fruit in my life when the opposite of those things exists. And when it's not happening according to your plan, like Abraham and like Sarah, you come up, you end up coming up with an even dumber plan. Yep. <laughs> you know, than the one of, you know, trusting and waiting patiently, um, you know, on, on him. So I understand it. But this life of faith is the only, only life that he's given us. He hasn't given us another, another one. Mm -mm. No, that first Corinthians 13 passage, it always gets used in weddings. I know we've, we've written about this in reclaim, but people always relegate it to weddings. You know, it's like, no, this passage wasn't written to do wedding ceremonies. This passage was written to a people who did not seem to grasp what actual love was and what it wasn't because we talk about the word all the time. We use it all the time, but it's oftentimes very, there's, there's a zillion miles between the, what the creator, the inventor of love describes as love and all of our sort of adaptive, you know, definitions for it. But in that passage, he goes on and reveals for this is what you've actually been given faith, hope, and love with you, without you, with your cooperation, without your cooperation, with your agreement, without your agreement, irrelevant. The life that I've given you as your maker is a life of faith, hope, and love. Mm -hmm. And according to the scriptures, what those things truly are have to be Jesus at work, bringing about a faith, a hope, and a love in us because in our flesh, it's never, ever true faith, hope, and love. Yeah. Well, dude, all this has come about by the cross, not religion. All of this has come about for something uh, for us to go walk in, right? Because of letting go, not mm. getting it together. Mm. I feel like the, the biggest aha for me in my recent travels is going, man, like me, most people I'm meeting long for the freedom that Jesus promised. They long to experience the freedom Jesus promised. They're just not willing to let go to actually live into it. Mm. And I think that's that not letting go and coming up with all sorts of systems and practices that we can be, you know what I'm saying? Throw into the, to the ring. Dude, that is what we mean when we talk about religion. We're not saying that prayer, right. Or taking a break or Sabbath or, fasting or celebrating good news is somehow bad. No, those things are good and beautiful. Where they become destructive is when you think that by doing these things, you're somehow becoming faithful to God, or you're somehow becoming something better in yourself. And that's just not the case, man. Yeah. Or you're somehow growing you yeah. know, the, the fruits of what yeah. you want to see happen in your efforts. That's just an, it's just an Abraham and Sarah, right? It's just grabbing onto the same thing that they did, man. So while some people might say, well, man, you're splitting hairs or you're introducing, you know, um, uh, 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 you're problematizing, you know, um, you know, things that are, that are good or you're overthinking, you know, or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I am, I am prone to maybe like believe that I, I have a haunting thought sometimes that like, yeah, like, why do I always have to be the one that's kind of saying, well, Hey, ho- hold on, hold on a second here. Um, really, really mm-hmm. quick. Um, just, just the thought. And then, and then I go and I, I come back to a Galatians, you know, where you have um, just a lot of people 
really kind of like buying into a religious mindset and doing a lot of religious things. And Paul is just, he's, he says, I'm perplexed. I'm astonished. Like, dude, you're, you, you deserted him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Not that there's another one, not that there's another one, but you're grabbing onto something that is very, has an appearance of religion, but it is not the truth that has come to you in the cross of Jesus. And so if you're, if you're kind of like us, where you're in this place where you're realizing this and you can feel lonely, it it could be a place where you, you feel lonely. And I think some of your frustration can, can, you can feel tired Mm -hmm. of it a little bit and you can almost kind of buy into, you know, like maybe the problem is just me. Maybe I just need to just shut my mouth and just go with the program. Maybe I need to just like stop. Make it till you make it, bro. Maybe I need to stop being such a naysayer and like always bringing up like good news and God's grace and like union with Jesus and trusting and pushing back on all this, you know, spiritual industrial complex and all these people trying to like make it happen. And to you, I want to say it's always good to check your heart in that you are loving people instead of just venting. Right. It's always good to just like, obviously be honest with that, but dude, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop being the person that always is coming back to, to good news and to grace. And I feel like if you're a person like who we are, where you gave a lot of your life in ministry, um, in a professional way to, to doing this, but kind of came to realize like, man, I, the way I'm seeing good news in this game over here that just requires Mm -hmm what it requires to do this from a position, a paid position where you have elders and you have a building and you have, you know, all these, you know, things, I just can't do this anymore. And you walk away to go create something different to go create or set spaces, right. Or form friendships where good news is at the center. That's one option. But for some people that freaks them out, like, man, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can just like walk away, you know, from all this. I have a lot of complications, like, man, maybe, you know, my wife's not feeling that, or I got kids involved or, you know, whatever we, one of the ahas for me is that we have discovered some people who are navigating that they're navigating being people of good news. They're navigating being people who carry the gospel in a message of freedom and rest and relief into churches (laughs) and they're existing in those spaces. I personally couldn't do it from within, even though I do kind of like interact with it at the margins, the church world, I still do. I couldn't do it from within anymore, but we're finding people who have the ability, you know, to do that. So how can we find freedom in Christianity or in the church or in Jesus land or whatever. Well, we're finding that people are finding it and they're grabbing onto it. It's the question is how do you navigate, you know, after that, do you want to leave and do you want to, you know, help create something new or can you exist in it? Can you be a friend in it? And I think there's freedom to explore both. Yeah. Yeah. I have met a few people, man, that have been able to. So one of the ways I just look at it, this might be helpful to people is just this idea of formal and informal church. The church is who we are by definition. The scriptures are pretty plain about that. The ecclesia, the gathered church was a conversation in the new Testament. So again, church, it's just identity. It's who you are. Uh, ecclesia gathering. It was a conversation happened around tables, uh, meals underground, the New Testament church is persecuted. The idea of like Sunday services as we know it, signs out front and, you know, Easter advertisements on Facebook. Now that didn't happen then. Um, that's, that's how you'd get set on fire by the Roman government. Um, so one of the ways that I think has been helpful to me is seeing that there is a beauty and a simplicity of the way of friendships and shared meals that's right out of the New Testament. I think that's something we, we can see and go run in. And then I think there's also a freedom of looking at what was later constructed, which has become the formal church and go, okay, cool. I could see some, right, some good things within that. 
people gathering in this bigger public space. They're gathering around, right? The message of good news, as long as it's actually the message of good news, um, which I'm just going to go ahead and say is sometimes sadly rare. But, uh, and I found people, man, who've been able to step into some beautiful expressions that are from the formal side that I love. And I found some people who could step into getting conversations started around what the actual message and invitation of Jesus was right within other types of church settings and exist in those spaces, man, and help people there grab on to the, uh, the message of the cross alone is the only thing that matters because it was there that God declared finished, not guilty, sin dealt with. I forever united myself to you. We are now one. You are now home. You are now free. You've always been loved. And the journey in front of you is faith. And being able to step into that, man, and find some freedom in that, some fruit in that. It's like, amen, dude. Mm -hmm. Amen. But yeah, I think ultimately, if I had to put a finger on it, I think what what we've learned to find some freedom from like in other episodes where we've talked about finding like freedom in busyness, like, yeah, you might still be busy in life, but there's a freedom within that because of what Jesus has done. And yeah, politics can get messy, but there's still a freedom in that. If we can understand what government actually is according to, according to the maker of humanity and what it could be. And there's a freedom in work and family and freedom. And, you know, just this obsession with self, I think there's also a freedom within a bigger word, Christendom, right? Popular Christianity, the church world, Jesus land. I think there's a freedom of learning to walk by faith in what Jesus has accomplished versus living under the tyranny of religion, which is all about what you, with God's help, can accomplish. And the two of those are night and day. Yeah. And you are, if you walk in that, I think you'll find beauty and frustration. I think you'll find freedom and joy and fear and doubt at times. Mm -hmm. um, and let's be honest, man. When you start clinging to the foolishness of the cross, as the scriptures say, you can be called a fool. And in a world obsessed with the winner's circle, you won't get there. Like the disciples, you will be the last one picked at kickball. Mm -hmm. um, but you'll be with Jesus. And that seems like a pretty good trade-off, man. I mean, at the end of the day, what else is there? You know, it's almost like a Peter moment, you know, where Jesus is like, oh, Y'all saw me make food for 5,000 people, and now you want sausage egg McMuffins because it's morning? Yep. Um, I think you pretty much only want to follow me because I'm doing, like, cool stuff. It's like the spiritual, you know, Barnum and Bailey, Ringling Brothers, like, circus <laughs> act kind of thing over here. You're yep. not coming to me because you know that, like, I'm from the Father. You don't want a relationship with me. You just want, like, stuff from me. Yeah. And he's like, actually, you want to eat something? You want to consume something? Okay, cool. Here's what this is about. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're <laughs> right. like, Whoa, what did you say? Bro? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And literally John's gospel is like, this was a hard teaching. And most like all of them walked away. Yeah. And it's a, it's analogous of Jesus words are analogous of trust. Like you want to consume, you want to take something in here. You go consume my, my, my blood, my flesh. Mm -hmm. Cause this is the very touch point. This is the very touch point of life itself and a relationship with the father is me coming down and identifying with the shite of your life and the world. Yeah. My, 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 my love, my Hesed, my covenant love 
is going to come and at the very touch point of it is going to be the rejection of man, the murder of man, the, the unbelief, you know, just everything that the cross represented. That's where I'm going to come and, and meet you there. Yep. Not in the heights of, of miracles right. or the wow factor of doing some cool stuff, but in the depths of the brokenness yeah. um, of who you really are. So consume my body, consume my flesh and consume my blood and all of them walk away. Jesus turns to the disciples and he was like, you guys going to dip too. And Peter, like I've always connected with these words, like, especially like in moments where like, none of it makes sense. Like it was yeah. life would just be so easy, dude. If I could just like not care about people and ministry and all that, but I can't, I can't shake it. I can't, yep. I can't, man. I can't quit you, man. And Peter's words are like, Lord, like, where are we going to go? Like you alone have the words of eternal life. There it is. There's nowhere else to go. Where am I going? Nowhere else to go except being in the one who didn't have a home. And so if you feel like you don't have a home, if you feel like an outsider, like you're in really, really good company, (laughs) the best, the best company. Yes. And some of eternal company. Yeah. And this is what I was trying to say. Like some of you might be like, man, I have enough courage to walk away from this all to start something informal and to create spaces where good news is heard. And you're not going to get a barrage of shoulds. I want to do that. Or maybe you exist within Jesus land and you have position and you have a place where you can control what's being said and you can pass that on. You could pass it on to other people. You can disciple people in that. And maybe you might do that with no heat whatsoever, no frustration. Well, yeah. if that's the case, you might be finding yourself at a pretty cool church. Oh, but, what or, I, but what I found is that. I was about to say, you might find yourself waking up from a dream. <laughs> you might find yourself waking control up. control does not want Christ, bro. You're gonna wind. You're gonna wind up waking up in a Matthew 18 situation inside of an yeah. elders' meeting. Is what you're gonna end up doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That. Yeah. Control. Give me control, man. I don't. Yeah. I don't want Christ. But I guess mm. what I'm saying, and this is something that what where I'm coming is, this is something that I, I did not think was a possibility. I couldn't conceive of someone actually existing in Jesus land and being a person of good news. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm in meeting a couple of people and hearing some stories. I think that you can do that, but I think it takes a really special and unique person yeah, to do that. You have to have patience that I don't certainly have. Yeah. I think a lot of it just do, you know, to do with your wiring. Yeah. I think for me, it was, if I start saying the unfiltered, undiluted words of Jesus, yes, the, the religious world is at war with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this isn't going to work. Right. To say this, we're going to need to start another ministry platform where people who have come to the end of their rope and have found relief in the scandalous news of a God who's always loved us. Those will be people who support a platform financially like Lark that mm-hmm. allows us to teach what Jesus really said. Yeah. So people could see what God is really like. And they could find a tribe that would get behind them as they begin to start conversations about what God is really like in and among their friends mm-hmm. and just see what the Lord does. Yeah. And honestly, dude, that, that kind of beauty and simplicity and journey of faith is, is at odds with what we oftentimes hold up as religion, right? Which right. is oughts and shoulds and a variety of things that we do to achieve, to become something else something better right that's not the case prayer scripture reading celebration fasting all those things exist to point us to what god is like they don't exist to help us become something better yeah dude that's they're they are the rendezvous they're the places where we interact with his finished work his all-encompassing covenant love a love that says it's always forever you know never quit on you love um yeah yeah he's 
Jesus is always going to be the one who is God who became flesh, who immediately began to brush up against the whole entire idea of religion right up from the get-go. He's at odds with it. He eats and drinks with sinners. That's at odds with religion. <laughs> you know, he, he's, a, he's arrested and, and crucified for the crime of blasphemy. That's at odds with religion. He willingly dies on a cross, a criminal's, right? Punishment. Mm -hmm. This is at odds with how religion works. He rises from the grave, man, and, and just literally announces, yeah, all that was needed is done. The journey in front of you is to trust this reality and to learn mm -hmm. to walk in what you were always made for. Yeah. Dude, that's at odds with everything that's designed to bring about certain things in the name of religion. And if you want to get technical, he then goes on and sees to it that the writer of, you know, of Hebrews, the epistle in chapter 10, makes it really plain that the revealed religion of the past was all designed to point you to something. Because the blood of bulls and goats and all the sacrifices from all the priests, yeah, guess what? It has no power to remove sin. It has no gotta, power to bring about forgiveness or reconciliation. You got to keep on doing it. Right? Keep on doing it. See you back Even next the revealed week. religion that we know of, the whole thing was designed to point you to the one who closed the book on religion. Come on, man. Yep. So I think that's the adventure. What do I see the father doing today? That's what I join in by faith. That was Jesus's life. Whatever I see my father doing, that's what I'm doing today. It's so simple. That's a whole lot different than a to-do list. Yeah. Or a vision statement yeah. or goals. Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your Christianity like? Uh, well, I'm just trusting what Jesus has done and joining in whatever I see the father doing today. Oh, that's. If I that's literally it. would have well, brought that's what that, Jesus did. <laughs> like if I went like all my years of ministry, if I would have brought that to a staff meeting where we all went around and said like what we're doing, like give the update and what you're doing. If I would have brought that answer to that, I, I literally would have been in like the lead dude's office. Like, Tony, can I see you after the meeting? Let's step in here really, really quick. Your, your answer, your answer you gave it uh, mm. sounds good. Sounds yeah. nice. Um, sounds sounds even like Biblical. maybe something <laughs> Jesus would say. <laughs> but uh, I don't think that's really going to make it happen around here. <laughs> and I think the reason why we laugh at this is because we are the guys who would pull people into an office for years for giving that answer at a church staff meeting. Yep. Or at a small group meeting or, you know, whatever it might be. And so you find yourself like, like you sometimes saying, I love it. But you know, if you, if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. Like I've been there, man. But the reality is that's what Jesus said. You want to see what humanity actually looks like. I'm going to show you. And he becomes human and lives in full dependency on God. And his daily life was doing whatever he saw the father doing. It was an adventure of faith. And that's what we were created to go walk in. And all that he's done in his death and resurrection made that possible for me, you, and every person on the planet. And for some reason, instead of trusting that and walking in that, there's this thing in me and in lots of people that I know that wants to come up with every way possible to turn life into everything but that so that I can just somehow have some means of control, man. Why? It goes right back to the beginning, what I just said. Because at the end of the day, we just don't trust him. Oh, well, cheers to the freeing and frustrating life yes. of faith in an unseen God. Um, thanks a lot, God, that that's how you cooked it for us. <laughs> it's really beautiful I, when we finally get over ourselves. It's just so damn hard because we haven't gotten over yeah. ourselves. <laughs> I wish you were the God of Excel spreadsheets and marketing and, you know, 
plans. Yes. That would be that would be cool. Man, that'd that be dope, really dude. Cool. Then so you think uh, about it, like what how how would I, how would that make me different than God? I kind of would like be like God if I mm. could make it happen. Interesting. That is uh it's ironic. If I knew it all, how to get there and took the steps to get there. Well, I I don't really see a need for him at all. I guess what we're ultimately saying is if he could just get out of the way and just let us just let us have at it. We'd get this ship up and going in the right direction. But then we read the history books and we look in the mirror with honest reflections and go, Yeah, that hasn't ever, that hasn't ever worked. Well, we'll do it different. That's right. We'll do it. We'll do it differently. We're the exception. We're the exception. Well, cheers to us being just a couple of assholes who will never do it differently. Cheers to that, man. And cheers to those who are grabbing on to Jesus and Jesus alone. And learning to just live in the adventure that comes with being free and walking in whatever he does, man. Amen. That's the story. Amen. Till next time.